Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of the programme, John Paul and Maraid taking your calls today at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, we would love to hear from you. You can text or WhatsApp as well to 86 And I just want to very briefly mention the McGindley family uh, from Newcastle and County Dublin. This is the family where the most heartbreaking tragedy befell them last Friday with the death of the three little children and we had a couple of people yesterday were contacting the programme saying why wasn't I, why hadn't I referenced it, why hadn't I spoken about about it Uh, and the reason that I didn't and was I just think this family are going through the most unbearable grief and I don't think it helps that people all over the country are going through the whys and the wherefores and what happened. And for that reason, I deliberately made a decision yesterday not to mention it. But I am mentioning it today because Andrew McGinley, the dad of those three little children, Connor, Dara and uh, Carla, has issued a statement. And it's a very short little statement, but I think it is a statement worth mentioning because I think this man in the middle of this unbearable grief could take the time out to issue a statement. So for that reason, I want to bring his statement to you. And he simply says in this little statement, there are no words. There is only devastation, grief and anguish. Every breath is a struggle. Connor, Dara and Carla are adored. They all had beautiful, bright futures ahead of them with family, friends and a community who loved them. To all parents, cuddle your children whenever you get the chance. Tell them how much you love them as often as you can. Spend every spare minute with them, reading, playing and enjoying their wonderfulness. The future has now become our enemy, but we will battle it every day to keep the memory of Connor, Dara and Carla alive. And that ends the statement that was issued yesterday by Andrew McGindley and the local priest at the church in uh, Newcastle and Sagard in Dublin, actually commenting on that statement, said it was just so remarkably brave of Andrew, a father who's lost so much, who's enduring so much pain, to release a statement in order to help all parents across Ireland and to give them time to uh, reflect. So we think of the entire McGindley family today. 
and those uh, little angels may they rest in peace 1850 now I also want to revert back to yesterday because we had yet another I have to say WhatsApp in from a listener who was complaining about some politicians and their agents who are putting up posters inside the 50 kilometre zones in areas where the local tidy towns groups have asked politicians not to put up posters. And I have to say, in the majority of cases, people are abiding by this. And I think people just get very fearful that if they break, what is the voluntary code not to put up posters with inside the 50 kilometre zone? I think they're fearful that there will be a bit of a backlash against them by voters in that area. And I know whenever we've contacted a candidate to say, do you realise that you or one of your agents has put up a poster within the 50 kilometre zone of such and such a town or village and they've asked for posters not to go up there from a littering point of view, usually within minutes of us giving them call, they have somebody sent out to to remove the poster. So yesterday, and we had another call in the last week about the very same area. There was somebody complaining about posters going up, and uh, there's no name on this text, in the Inishannon area. And also there was a poster on the housing estate in Cross Barry. So we got onto the Cross Barry Community Action Group and they came back and tell, told us that Cross Barry have asked to keep posters outside of the village centre and to use discretion putting them up approaching the village. But it's all a voluntary code of practice. But basically they're saying it's discretion when putting them up inside of the village. So nobody is breaking any laws None of the candidates are breaking any laws by putting them up inside the 50 kilometre zone. But as they say, most, most will abide by it because they certainly do not want to upset the people living in those areas. 1850 Now, one of the issues we're going to be addressing today was an issue that came up on the programme yesterday when Jur, one of our listeners, was upset. He actually said in his text he was feeling very sad. He'd been to the doctor on Monday to get some blood tests done he's a medical card patient and as he was leaving the practice he was asked for 30 euro and he was quite taken aback because he didn't realise that there was charges for the blood tests he thought they were covered on his medical cards he contacted us to say are others aware of this does it happen in many GP practices and you know and I, I remember and I was doing some research yesterday evening I think it was 2018 that it came to our attention that doctors practices started charging for it's for the courier service, I think, in the main, is what doctors pra- doctor practices say, why they're doing it in order to get taxis, for example, to bring the bloods up to the hospital, you know, from wherever it is in County Cork and they all go up into the city. And that's the reason for it. Now, we then opened the phone lines and there certainly was a variation in prices. I could say with a huge amount of calls and texts in on this, I think it av- the average seems to be about €10. Euro. So I think that's what threw me with Jer being charged €30. Euro. Now, we are going to speak in a couple of minutes with a local doctor just to get the explanation from the doctor's side of why they are charging. And I want to in particular find out, are, we, are people actually paying for the testing of the bloods or is it literally just for the transport of the blood from the GP surgery up to the lab, wherever it gets tested. Now, I did find a listener's question to the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, back in February of 2017. OK, so it's, it's been going on uh, for since then. That seems to be when the charging for this blood test seemed to have come in. 
not all general practices at some general practices and the Minister for Health issued a statement saying that there is no provision under the general medical card GP contract for persons who hold a medical card or a GP visit card to be charged for routine blood services provided by their GP which are required to assist in the diagnosis of illness or the treatment of a condition and that's the only reason you would be having routine blood tests done surely is for the diagnosis of an illness or the treatment of a condition so it looks like the Minister for Health was saying no there shouldn't be any charges yet we know and we certainly know from yesterday that a number of GP practices do charge. So we're going to be talking about that on the programme today. Some of your WhatsApps that I didn't get to uh, yesterday. Here we go. This is, hi, I don't have a medical card so I do have to pay €30 to have my bloods done. There are different prices for medical and non-medical card holders but my query is how much is a taxi to Cork? Do they send a limousine with non-medical card holders blood? Question mark, question mark. Bernie says, Trish, this is another text. Bernie says, Trish, surely the GP practice has more than one patient getting blood samples on on any given day that needs to be carried to the lab. If every patient is paying what Jura paid, I E 30 euro that taxi business is doing extremely well by the way I usually pay 25 euro when I have my tests done and that's at a practice in Mallow thank you for that Bernie Mary said I had my bloods done in a doctor's surgery in West Cork last week no charge and by the way says Mary I do have a medical card and then another listener says, why is there a taxi going to the laboratories with these bloods? Could one of the staff not take them and pay the staff travel expenses, etc.? I'm getting bloods done later this week, so I will revert back to you on how I get on. So it does seem that not all of the GP practices are charging. And the ones that are charging, there's a variation in price. Anything, as I say, as low as a fiver, we'd a few, not many, we'd a few with a fiver. The average seems to be 10. And then we've had some now with a with the um, 30 or like what Jar was charged yesterday. But I think what got to everybody, and including us here on the programme, was the fact that Jar had only the 30 euro left in his wallet. And, and I'm sure if he'd said it, I'm sure if he'd said it to the GP practice and explained this is his money for the week, it was his food for the week and that he didn't realise there was going to be a charge. I'm sure maybe he could have paid it off, maybe give them a fiver a week or, you know, if he had a bit extra next week, he could have paid the 30. You know, because when you allow for something, when you know there's a bill coming in, you kind of factor it in. But it was just poor old Jar wasn't expecting it. And so that I think that's what absolutely got to me yesterday uh, for sure. 1850 As I say, we will be discussing it in more detail and getting the inside from a GP on uh, this one. We're going to discuss the suspected rabies case in Cork. It still is not a confirmed case. It is looking like that this particular animal was in contact with another animal with rabies when you read in between the lines. But they still, the Department of Agriculture are not 100%, on, not 100% confirming that it is a rabies case. But yet, if you're reading some of the newspaper articles, a lot of the newspaper articles are saying it is a confirmed case. So we're going to talk about it today because there is this eight kilometre exclusion zone. It was down around the Kinsale area where this particular case came from. It was an imported animal, an imported pet. So they've put an eight kilometre 
exclusion zone around that area and they're asking people just to be careful but in particular they're asking people be mindful of their own animals but what should we be looking out for what do pet owners need to look out for what are the signs and symptoms of rabies I mean we don't we locally and thankfully do not have rabies in this country and that's the reason that we are so strict on the import and export of animals in order to keep rabies particularly because we're an island nation we do not need to get an outbreak of rabies it would frighten so many people the thought of rabies actually when I have the GP on I might ask him a little bit about from a human point of view why do we need to be really worried about any suspected case of rabies so we'll talk about it both there from, from a human point of view and from an animal point of view as well. This day next week there is a nationwide or not a nationwide a national protest that is going to be made up of creche owners nationwide and they're all going to converge on Dublin. We have the farmers going to Dublin now we have the creche owners and childminders going to Dublin next week. They are looking for a sustainable solution to what they say is a childcare crisis. Now these are the owners of creches saying they have a childcare crisis so I'm assuming if your child is in creche or is at a child bonder, you know if your creche is closing next Wednesday and, and in fairness to the creche owners they are giving the parents of the children plenty of notice so that they can make alternative arrangements but the creche owners feel and the workers feel they've no other choice but they need to take to the streets. So this is going to be this day next week. So we've invited two local creche owners to talk to us on the programme today just to talk to us about how bad is this childcare crisis and why does everybody need to be worried about it? So we have a creche owner who is one of the larger providers but we also have one of the smaller providers as well. I think that will give us a good balance of what are the problems both in the larger providers and in the smaller providers as well. And then the wonderful John Kenny, the actor, is going to be joining us in studio. This is in advance of a three-night run next week in The Everyman with Katie Holly from Charleville, her superb play, Crowman, that I think John is running with now on and off for about a year. I'm sure it was last year when I first spoke to him about it. But Katie Holly, who's written this play, is really, really uh, talented. And Crowman, it's a one-man show which I always think from an actor's point of view must be the most difficult thing to do. You've got no fall guy. You know, you're up there on stage all on your own. But I know having spoken to, to John in the past, I know he loves it and he particularly loves this play. I think it's about 10 characters in total he plays and he goes from one character to the other character seamlessly. Anyone who's been to see Crowman, everyone comes out speaking highly uh, about it. I think at every single performance he's at standing ovations. People are just blown away by it. So it really is a, a terrific piece. And it's back in the Everyman next week. So John will talk to us about that after at 12 today which means we don't have Peter Dowdell we, do, we haven't had Peter for the month of January he always takes a bit of a break not much to do in the garden really as well but I know uh, probably because we've had such a mild winter there are things starting to grow in the garden and there are people getting out trying to do work in the garden so I know John Paul was going to make contact with Peter to, to make sure he's available and will be available to us. We should be kicking off our gardening slot for 2020 and we'll be doing that next Wednesday. But he's not with us today, just in advance of people because it's Wednesday. For the last two Wednesdays, we've had some questions in and people trying to find out if Peter was coming on. So he's not on today, but he will be back this next Wednesday. Well, some of your texts and calls coming into the programme. Stephen in County Kerry uh, says, uh, Patricia, I agree with you entirely. This is my piece about the 
McGinley family in Newcastle in Dublin and that people just need to back off and, and the reason we're not going to be discussing or getting into the ins and outs what could have happened may have happened did happen not going to hear about that here for sure uh, Stephen says I agree with you Patricia why, why is it that the worse the news is the more the people want to talk about it almost dramatise it a British psychologist got it spot on when Princess Diana died he said that at that time the English turned things into a live soap opera and we're not far behind them the public laying of flowers the lighting of candles etc all joining in on the act all showing live on TV for God's sake just say a prayer for them and let those poor little children rest in peace and that's from Stephen in County Kerry OK on the bloods and the taking of bloods Tim and y'all with regard to the doctor that doctor's practice taking 30 euro from Jur, your listener yesterday or on Monday is that not an absolute disgrace and a bad reflection on that doctor's practice was that man given the option of delivering the bloods himself to the hospital if that's what the 30 euro charge was for if not then a question should be asked why uh, yeah I wonder could people start saying well, particularly 30 euro you'd get up and down to Cork it wouldn't cost you 30 euro and, and sure Jar might have had free travel he could have got up on the bus um, hi Patricia please don't call out my name that's fine uh, this is on charges by doctors I suppose more than anything I work part time and last Friday week I came home from work and I had really bad cough my GP doesn't open on weekends so I felt with the way the cough was didn't really want to wait until Monday morning so I decided I'd go to Southstock 60 euro then a prescription for steroids Uh, I got some steroids for the night but I had to go back to my own doctor on Monday just carried me over for the weekend 50 euro for the visit to my doctor on Monday further prescription including an inhaler 40 euro plus antibiotics further cost I also have been booked in for blood tests the same week on I've also booked in for blood tests the same week on Thursday. That was €30. So €200 in under a week. That is a lot of money. I don't have a medical card, says a listener. One of what a lot of people in the general election, a lot of the politicians are talking about the squeezed middle. There is somebody who has to pay for everything up front. And again, like what we said with Ger, poor old Ger was his last €30 in his wallet if you haven't budgeted for that if you're if you know if you're working if you're on social welfare you know exactly how much you're getting every week but if you're working part time it's very possible as well you know exactly if you have the same hours every single week you know exactly how much you're getting every week and if it's a very tight budget if you're paying for everything you mightn't have a lot left over every week you mightn't have that kind of rainy day fund that we all like to have but not everyone's in a position to have that money aside. So when things go wrong like that, all of a sudden, bad cough, obviously a bad chest infection needed to be dealt with. And €200, Euro, when you're not expecting it to come out of your week's money, is a lot of money indeed. So I absolutely have sympathy for you and I feel your pain. And I think a lot of people will identify with that story and say, yeah, very same thing happened to me as well. 1850 John Paul and Maraid taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas, and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Eggfoil Mock Quid Then and Here is Farlin. Shaw Eight C103 Air Kirkig. 
is Museum Alien in the Carrache and Crawford Art Gallery Gurkig. Nuri Hulan too cheap in the Dorsha, find to Tishkin Tiart, Erin Rolls, Suntasuk, Tagas Nahark Alien is a tail, Agus Sukhul Turko, I'm sure. Tagnos Kun Rohiad Mila Kurtur and Ike the Bliana Higging Gallery, a hostage to Agreel or Nakarach, in Akalish and Opera House. Sayer Yadishach, the Trish Fibli, to Spontish, Agus Baluhan Buon, Tony Smo, no Rovila Sayer. Nukta, quid denaniha, is Fari Gurkig, C103. As I've just mentioned, once again, the issue of charging for routine blood tests by GPs have been raised on the programme. Uh, yesterday, it came to light when Jur, a medical card patient, explaining he was charged €30 Euro by his doctor on Monday, a fee he wasn't expecting. Now, we've contacted the HSC to get an official line from them, which we're still awaiting. But I'm joined by Dr Nick Flynn of the MyGP.ie practice in Grenada. Uh, good morning to you, Nick. Morning, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, I know I can t- almost tell you what the HSC are going to say because we've contacted them in the past about this. They will tell us that the routine taking of blood samples is covered under the medical card scheme. So can you explain why some GP practices need to charge? Well, I suppose it, it comes back to, Patricia, the, the, the GP contract or the contract the GPs are working under. So that, that contract is coming up towards 50 years old, would you believe it? So if you, I mean, then just to put it into context, that was before decimalisation in Ireland. You know, it's older than me. Um, and again, just for, for, for the listeners, if you tried plugging a skybox into a 50-year-old TV, it wouldn't work. Uh, you'd have a lot of trouble. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're trying to plug um, modern healthcare in the community into a 50-year-old contract. So go back 50 years, uh, 1970s. In the 70s, GPs didn't really do blood tests. Um, believe it or not, uh, and things like blood pressure, hypertension, even those things would have, would have in a whole been managed in the hospital and been managed by general physicians in the hospital. Over the course of the last 50 years, obviously, healthcare has evolved, med- medicine has become a lot more high-tech, and a lot more care has moved into the community. But the phrase in the contract is, is that, uh, in that 50-year contract, is that GP would provide all and any necessary treatment uh, and the, the, I suppose the established uh, interpretation of that is that, that the contract is for acute illness, so it's a contract based around when people become ill with cold flus, uh, ankle sprains, pneumonias, those kind of things, and that they will be treated on that on that basis. Most blood tests aren't for that. Most blood tests are for monitoring conditions and screening conditions. So even just checking cholesterol is a screening test, you know, or if somebody is on like a lot of high-tech medication now that, that require monitoring. And that's clearly not what what the old 50-year contract was designed to um, to facilitate. So, about 10 years ago, there was kind of there was savage cuts, really, but it was in line with cuts across the complete all the public sector. But GPs feel they were a little bit more harshly treated than some of the other sectors, and our cuts were in total around 40%. So, when that happened, GPs really started looking at the contract and working the contract, and I, I think it's pretty much established across most GP practices now that there is. Um, a charge for blood tests uh, when they're taken in the practice, and it's to facilitate, you know, the I suppose the taking of the blood, but also the, the, the transfer to hospital and the processing of the blood, which which would have been when the contract was designed, all of that work would have been done in the hospital. But from a lot of GPs are saying to their patients that it's the cost of the courier because when the bloods get to the labs, that's the HSE, that's at the hospital. GPs don't pay for that, do they? So yeah. that we, we have a, I suppose a processing and courier cost, and, and I can't con- I, obviously we can't comment on any, or I can't comment on any individual charges. Our own practice charged five euros uh, for blood tests up until about six months ago, and that fee has increased to ten euros. Um, but, uh, but, but the, the, 
fee is there and and the fee is as i say it, it's the covered the processing and the the the, the transfer of of the blood certainly yeah. Okay, and and I have to say, when we spoke about this yesterday, the amount of people that contacted us, the a tenor seems to be the kind of average amount that most GP practices are charging. Yeah, that again, we're prohibited by competition uh, law from kind of having agreed fees or discussing fees. And I can't and I can't okay. on air discuss fees or uh, in any way. But all I can say is what my own practice charges. But I couldn't in any way comment on another practice charges. It, 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 the competition was quite strict in that regard. But I think what got to most people yesterday, Nick, was the fact that Jar, the gentleman who contacted us, it was his last thirty euro for the week. It was his his food money for the week and he doesn't get his uh, I'm assuming it's his pension he doesn't come in until Friday um, if that what if, a G, if a, a GP practice is introducing a new charge I mean for, in your own case would you warn patients in advance would you yeah, have... well we would have a system whereby if there's new fees coming in um, or if there's a fee uh, increase coming in it'd be flagged four weeks in advance and, uh, and a notice will go up but for some patients they'll still get um I suppose they'll still be surprised by that because not every patient comes every month. But generally, decisions like that in most practices, I would say, are made at management meetings and it would then be a four to six week run in. And most practices would flag that in the waiting rooms and make patients aware of it. Yeah, but that's like any business. I mean, any business will, yeah. will, will want to make sure that there's good communication with their with patients or customers, to whichever sector they're in. It's possible he didn't see yeah. the sign, uh, or, it's, or it's also possible that he wasn't at the at the GP yeah. in, in the in the last yeah. month, which yeah, was a, which was a little bit um, un, unfortunate uh, for him. And I know you don't want to get into because I was going to say, do you feel thirty euro is expensive? But as you say, you don't uh, want well, to get I, into. I, 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 mean, so I suppose in fairness, competition law would prohibit that anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, like it's. It's one of the anomalies of uh, general practices that we're treated sometimes like independent contractors and not to bore the listeners, but that means independent contractors can't agree fees, but also that that has been used or that was used in the past to prevent us from negotiating uh, fees for medical care patients with the HSC and with government. And again, over the last 10 years, uh, particularly, that has uh, led to a lot of GPs becoming disillusioned with the system, feeling that the system really wasn't interested in, um, I suppose, resourcing and funding services in the community. Now, there is some change on that with the, with the new chronic disease management programs that are starting. They're starting for the over 75 this year. Um, and I think patients will see that when they're attending for chronic disease management, uh, that practices will change to some degree in the um in the uh, way the fees are charged for, for blood tests. Okay. All right. And Nick, just while we have you on the line on a different topic, because in, in my next interview, we're going to be discussing the suspected rabies case uh, here in Cork. As a doctor, does that really worry you that there's a, a suspected uh, rabies case? Well, I suppose one isolated case in an animal doesn't worry me, but I think what I would say to, to, to patients and to, and to listeners is that rabies is an unusual uh, infection. It's a, it's a viral infection. And unvaccinated people who are exposed to rabies and exposures are like bites and scratches mainly, but also licks to open wounds from infected animals, which are mainly worldwide, monkeys, bats, cats um, and dogs. Obviously, not only to be dogs, dogs and cats, really, but untreated rabies exposures are always fatal. That's pretty much a rule of thumb that doesn't, there's no exception for. There are some, the, the, the treatment involved for the prevention of rabies, there's two ways of doing it. Uh, nobody in Ireland needs to be 
too worried about it with one isolated case down in Riverstick, but it is, it is a bit of a worry. But the prevention is two ways. So you can get vaccinated, have an exposure, and then have a treatment afterwards. Or you, if there's no vaccination, if the patient is unvaccinated and they have a potential exposure, there is still a treatment afterwards, but it, 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 look, it is a lot more complicated and involves getting a blood product called rabies immunoglobulin. The treatments are very effective. So if anybody has a potential rabies exposure, they need to go immediately for healthcare. So the the the, 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 the advice is like if you see an animal that might have been rabies affected, so they're salivating, they're acting, they're acting uh, bizarre. Strange, yeah. Don't 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 approach them. Um, but if you inadvertently do get a bite or a scratch, or even have a hint of a bite or a scratch from an animal, sometimes it can be difficult. You know, if you get a, a bite through a coat, for example, if yeah. you scratched or not. Well, what you do is you immediately apply first aid, so clean the wound thoroughly with an alcohol solution uh, or an antiseptic solution, and go straight. Like, don't go home, don't do anything. You go straight to an emergency department for treatment. But I don't think that that's a realistic um, fear for patients in, in, in Cork at the moment. Okay, when I say the case. Yeah. Yeah, the animal, uh, the animal ha- has been euthanized, uh, and, and I think that the the spread is um, are, is, is probably low risk, but it, but it is an unusual infection. So it's a hundred percent case fatality ratio, and if you compare that to Ebola, which is forty to eighty, the most recent out case of Ebola in Africa, in forty percent case fatality ratio, that means forty percent of people who are infected die. But rabies, if you're infected and it's not treated correctly. Um, it's a hundred percent. And we'll 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 further pick your your brain. The coronavirus in China is that worrying you? Um, I, I think it, it would worry me. The nearer to China I was, the more I would be. The more worried I would be. Uh, so the coronavirus, we, we've seen coronaviruses before. So there's the, like SARS in the early 2000, 2000, 2004. There was a SARS. Out of China again. Out of China uh, in 2012, there was a Middle Eastern respiratory virus called MERS. M E R S. Again, the coronavirus. Uh, so this again is is, is um, uh, like a, I suppose a respiratory illness. Really, it spread, dropped its spread, and through contact with infected people. Uh, I think in Ireland, I mean, the HSE have given uh, both GPs and hospitals A and E's directions on this. We're a low to medium risk, but I would say probably more on the low risk of having um, a coronavirus uh, outbreak. Although the, we had the potential for isolated cases. If anybody has had has, has travelled to China, and they were particularly Wuhan, that 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 area, and they return with a flu-like illness or a high temperature, the advice for them is to ring their doctor, not to attend their doctor. The doctor then has been advised to contact the local emergency department, and the national ambulance service will arrange transfer that patient to hospital for screening and further care. So, but, but I think like there's so many ifs and and buts in that again, like the rabies case in Liverpool. I don't think people uh, like. Most of the population is not need to worry too much about it. Um, uh, but again, if anybody is in that unusual position where they've travelled to China and return home and feel unwell, it, the advice is not to go out and not to contact, not, not to go to your doctor, to ring your doctor, and the, the, it'll be taken from there. Okay, okay. Listen, we leave it there. As always, pleasure to talk to you, Nick. Thank, Thank you for you. that, and thanks for thanks. joining us. Bye-bye. Okay. That Bye-bye. is uh, Dr. Nick Flynn of mygp.ie in Grenada. 1815 John Paul and Maraid taking your uh, calls. Morning, Patricia, says this listener. I'm from Tower in Blarney. 
there is a it's 12 kilometres to get from Tower and Blarney to CUH and I'm being charged 10 euro to send my bloods uh, there yes to go from Kinsale it's 20 kilometres from Kinsale to CUH and you can get a GP practice there that only charge you a fiver why is it cheaper the further away you are but you know it's, there's more costs now listening to Nick explaining it there it isn't just the courier it's also the processing so I suppose it spends on the size of the practice as well and listening to your radio talking about GP costs and costs for blood routine blood tests what about consultants charging 200 euro for a consultation does anybody want to discuss that does anybody want to give out about that how do consultants get away with charging 200 euro for a visit text or whatsapp 0862103103 Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open 7 days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas low cost fuel Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend weekend. by turning up the Feel Good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4 as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. By the way, we did contact a number of GP surgeries that we were told yesterday were charging €30 for those routine uh, bloods. Those that answered the phone... The receptionists weren't able to comment as to why they were charging €30 and we are awaiting either a doctor or a manager from the practice to get back to us. Just I'd like to just get the breakdown of why some are charging 30 versus the average being €10. Now, the Department of Agriculture is liaising with international veterinary authorities following what is believed could be a case of rabies in an imported pet. To discuss what rabies could mean to the area, I'm joined by Tory Joyce of the West Cork Animal Welfare Group. Good morning. Good morning, Tori. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome to the programme. And we did Thank ask you. for a spokesperson for the Department of Agriculture to join us, but uh, we are still awaiting their reply on that one. Now, the pet is a sable. Can you describe yeah. what sort of an animal a sable is and how common would they be? Well, a sable would be, it would be of the ferret, um, pine marten, um, weasel family. So they are kept as pets. They, they unfortunately would have been used in the past uh, you probably have heard, Patricia, of sable coats. Yeah, absolutely. So from Eastern Europe, they would be quite common in, in, in Eastern Europe and Russia. In Ireland, not, no, really not so common at all. They're, I think you, you, they're a beautiful colour, a beautiful chocolatey, browny colour. And um, they're a mammal. As you know, um, rabies is only, is only found in mammals. And of course, that includes humans. Um, just to let people know that rabies, are, rabies isn't found in fish, amphibians or birds. I did not know that. So it's only yeah. found in, in mammals. Now, the, depa- in mammals. the Department of Agriculture still hasn't officially confirmed that this is no. a rabies case, but they have put this eight kilometre surveillance yeah. zone in place. What do pet owners need to look out for? Well, I think everyone, everyone it's potentially a total and utter disaster for rabies. Um, we haven't had an indigenous case in Ireland since 1903, and we really want to keep it out. But as you know, it's a small world now, and people travel backwards and forwards. And unfortunately, pets, dogs, cats, everything are being are, are being smuggled in from other countries. And this is a potential disaster for anybody or all of us. Because incubation period can, can be from a week 
up to maybe a year or two in humans. So it's, but uh, if, if I think everyone needs to be very vigilant, really watch it. The ports need to tighten up, first of all. It's, it's a governmental issue, of course. And um, there's more checking of ports. It's very lax, to be honest, Patricia. And UK too is, luckily we're an island, but the UK too is very vulnerable. And if this, this, the first signs of rabies would be a fever. Okay. Temperature. So then it, um, it progresses then on to fear of drinking and swallowing. Um, also very fearful the animals, trembling, uh, delirium, a seizure like, by which case there is no coming back. And of course, rabies is passed by saliva, mostly by saliva. So either a bite or a scratch from an animal. And that's why an animal licking you. And potentially, I mean, it would be very rare, but it could go in through the eyes, nostrils and mouth through saliva. But we, we don't want to cause panic yeah, either. Yeah, I know, but I, I know. I think the world is shrinking. People are smuggling, smuggling animals in. And if anybody sees people transferring pups or anything in cars at night or through ports or near ports, please ring the authorities straight away. Would, um, would, you, would you worry about puppy farms? Well, I suppose potentially if animals are being smuggled in and smuggled out of the country, there, there, is, there is a danger that this virus will spread. It, it's basically an inflammation of the brain. So, it's, of course, all dogs can have fevers. But, of course, if you're ever worried about your pet or anything like that, we, we believe that this outbreak is contained. It was an imported animal from Russia. It came through Italy, through England, and it's, a, it's around in Italy kilometre zone around the Kinsale area so people just need to be very careful maybe don't gather don't walk your pet there I think about a month they're holding it yeah it's a month it's in place yes, yeah yes so basically don't go near um, the Riverstick Kinsale 8 kilometre zone area um, all hunts everything like that should be absolutely stopped just to make sure I mean this animal was indoors luckily and they are confident that it it has stayed in, in that in that area and unfortunately the poor animal has paid with its life um, but obviously they have to do that and um, so hopefully we will hear more from the Department of Agriculture Marine and Food because just so people know that um, what to do and um, also when people are travelling abroad because there is rabies in Russia there is rabies in Turkey and Thailand countries like that is if you're doing extreme sports or anything like that over there just get just um Get in touch with their Department of Agriculture or, or ours and just ask for advice. So yeah, and, and it, it also explains, doesn't it, why we are mm. so strict on pet passports. Absolutely. I mean, all, all people and animals can be rabies vaccinated. There's no problem. And that's all these animals should be rabies passported. And that is why everybody moans about it. And in, in rescue, obviously, Westcock animals, we do send dogs to Sweden. And they all have to be rabies vaxxed passported and checked, vet checked before they go, and rightly so. Uh, but the authorities need to be really, really clamping down because this is a potential disaster if, if it ever broke out. Uh, and actually, yeah, the, the, what you mentioned there about the gathering of animals, hunts, yes. dog shows and fairs have all been Absolutely. banned in that area. It is for yes. a month. And now whether that yes. will be extended, only time will tell. But as of now, yes. it, it is for yes. a, a month. And people just, Tory, need to be really careful. If they are deciding to import pets, there's a correct way of doing it and there's an Absolutely. incorrect way of doing it. Yeah. Yes, there is a protocol. And while, while we're um, just as, a, as an aside, we've been getting pups in since Christmas and dogs and before and any time. And a lot of people are not aware that a pup needs to be vaccinated. It's first set of vaccines at about eight weeks. 
the second set, which we've got all these uh, vaccination starts in where only one vaccine has been, one set of vaccine has been done. Three weeks later, the second set of vaccines needs to be done and the kennel cough is a separate vaccine. So there should be three lots of vaccines on a card. And a lot of people are buying pups with just this first vaccine and they are much at risk with Parvo. I actually met somebody who paid €2,000 for a very unusual breed. It it didn't even have one vaccine. They did it on a day at the vets. They picked it up. The pup was down on the ground. I mean, that's a potential disaster as well. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine paid big money for a dog, Mm -hmm. for a little pup that died as well from Parvo. And and it's so so upsetting. It's just so traumatic for everybody involved. Absolutely unnecessary. Nobody should be buying or adopting a pup under 12 weeks, 12, 13 weeks old. If your pup is six, seven, eight weeks, no. Rehome is the way to go, Tori. Rehome. Listen, we'll, we'll leave yeah. it there. Listen, we'll talk again. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Um, good yeah. morning to you. That Thank is bye bye. That is Tori Joyce, who is with the West Cork Animal Welfare Group. We're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. In the next hour, we're going to go through some of your suggestions of where's the best place to go for a good scone with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. We'll do that. Also, talk about the creche providers they're taking their their crisis to the Dáil next week when they were bringing a protest to Dublin. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. I'm here playing greatest hits from Ed Sheeran. I lost the ability to be able to go out to a supermarket and buy a loaf of bread about three years ago. Robbie Williams. It's very difficult to turn off, to be honest. Even Madonna. I actually learn more from my mistakes than my, my victories, so to speak. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. John by text. Patricia, is there any brightness in the weather? Okay, let me take a quick look at what the Met Aaron are saying for the next few days. Okay, we, we're, well, we're dry today and we should be dry tomorrow. There's a bit of rain for tomorrow. Friday's going to be dull. There'll be a bit of rain there on Friday as well. What's the weekend looking like? Saturday blustery day. God, don't have good news for you, John, that's for sure. Rain is going to spread from the south overnight, falling asleep in places. That's Saturday. That's going to be a cold one. Sunday's a bit of bright spells on Sunday, particularly in the south. And then a fair deal of dry weather on Monday next. So that's, that, that's could be good news for you, John. But there's a but on it because it's going to become very cold and showery next Tuesday. So no, I think my answer for you at the moment is no real brightness in the weather. So what bit of brightness we get, like we're getting today, get out and enjoy it. Another listener says, could that person who imported that animal, that sable into the uh, country, could that person be prosecuted? This is the one that has the question of rabies uh, over it. I suppose they're going to wait at this stage. The Department of Agriculture just more worried on trying to find out, trying to to find out if it is a definite case of rabies. I imagine if it's a definite case of rabies, the owner will certainly have a lot of questions to answer. They already have a lot of questions to answer as to how this animal made it from Russia into Italy, into the United Kingdom and then came into this uh, country and came in with no pet passport as it should have had. So there's a lot of rules has been broken. I haven't read anything at this stage to say that the 
owner is going to be prosecuted but I think if this turns into a story where it's a confirmed cases, case of rabies we may be looking at something very very different indeed and I mentioned the coronavirus thank you for your text I mentioned the coronavirus when I was talking with Dr Nick Moore says Patricia what about people who shop online and buy items from China a lot of people are doing that at the moment a lot of people are purchasing items can I say and they don't even realise they're coming from China until they take a number of weeks to arrive and then they realise oh that was actually made in China but they might have been buying from a UK website they might have been buying from an American website and yet the items come in from China anyway Maura is saying what are the chances of bringing the coronavirus on these products you know picturing the scene if they are produced in a factory somewhere in China and somebody has the coronavirus and they've gone to work and they're coughing and spluttering and sneezing all over the item and the item then gets packaged and it's sent on its merry way to Ireland what would be the chances of picking up the coronavirus I would think very very slim because of the length of time the item would take to come from China I would assume if there was any live coronavirus on an item it'll be well dead by the time it gets here because anyone who's ever bought in anything from China would know it does take a long time. I do know I was listening to radio in Australia and they would be closer to China and I heard a presenter there was worried about bringing items in for China and she was told there was a very very small percent small chance that some of the virus if it got on the item before it left China that it would still be alive by the time it got to Australia so and it was a very very tiny tiny chance of it so I take it it would be even smaller here for Ireland but yeah obviously it is a concern it is a concern thank you for your text Maura to 0862 103 103 let me go to some of your calls coming in still getting a lot of calls in about doctor's charges and costs for routine blood tests and that's now kind of broadened out a little bit into general charges, be it charges for going to a consultant or just charge going to a doctor for non-medical card patients. Colm is in Butterfield. He had an injury to his toe where a large blister formed and that sounds very, very sore, Colm. My sympathies to you. Anyway, he ended up going to the hospital in Mallow and they sorted it out with a plaster and a jab. He was then told he would need to go to his own GP for the next few days as the plaster would have to be dressed. So a dressing removed and then a new dressing put on. So the following day, our column toodaloodle on to his GP practice. He was met by a nurse. She took a look at it and said, yeah, she dressed it again and said, come back again tomorrow. You're going to have another new dressing. Column does have a GP visit card, but he doesn't have the full medical card. The nurse then says, 35 euro, please. That's the standard charge. So column realised every day that he would have to go back to have it redressed it would be 35 euro every day he said I decided to dress it myself what he got his good wife to dress it himself over the next uh, two years and by the way he said that is a GP practice that doesn't charge for bloods that's one of the ones that doesn't charge for bloods so uh, Colm's wife did you pay her the 35 euro every day Colm to do your dressing on your toe and you're lucky that you have a wife that's able to do it for you 1850 and John in Cove it's kind of a bit fed up of listening to people complaining about paying €30 Euro to go and have your bloods taken. He feels it's been blown totally out of proportion. And he wonders, Jer, who contacted us on Monday, 
who the last 30 euro in his wallet he had to hand over for his bloods. He said, does that fella jar? Does he smoke or drink? That's got nothing to do with it. But anyway, and others that are giving out, there was some woman giving out about it. Does that woman go on holidays? Does she smoke and drink? John said, all of those people that are contacting the programme complaining that their GP practice is charging 10 euro, 25 euro or 30 euro should stop cribbing, moaning and whining. And they need to look after their health first. It'll cost them a lot more for an undertaker. They should be glad that they have a doctor there and a hospital to look after them. So John wants everyone to stop complaining about having to pay to go to the uh, doctor. And Nancy in Bantry says it's her doctor, no charge. They, but she, oh no, sorry, on doctor's charges. She said, do you know that some doctor's practices charge for sick notes for people to get a sick note every week? And if you're out, you know, if you're signed out from work and you're going to be out for a good few weeks, you have to go back every week to say for the doctor to take a look at you and say, yeah, you're still sick. And then they pick up your sick note and you're searching off you go. Uh, Nora's making the point that that's 20 euro every week. If you're out on sick leave, obviously your money has been reduced and she feels 20 euro is a bit much for those that are out of work on sick leave. And that's an issue, she said, that doesn't often get addressed. OK, also, before I go to the scones, I want to just give a mention to somebody who contacted us. Dan in Mallow was on to us. And thank you, Dan, for photographs that he sent on by WhatsApp. That's the one big advantage to WhatsApp. You can send us on photographic evidence if there's something you want us to look into for you or you want to really give out about something and you want to show us how bad it is. So Dan has taken... A lot of photographs for us. It's a strip of woodland along the side of the road from the N20 Plaza Supermax to the county hospital just outside of Mallow. He said it's a strip about 100 feet wide, 100 feet wide with a stream running through it. Now, Dan knows this area well because he walks and runs along there regularly. And he said he's often seen the wildlife that live there, or should, should, should I say, says Dan, was there. As the photographs I've sent you, into you will show, the entire section of trees of all types have been cut down and ripped out by machines. What in the name of God is this all about? At a time when we're trying to save what little bit of natural habitat we have. This follows on from the cutting down of dozens of mature beech trees from the opposite side of the same road just before Christmas. It's a disgrace. How can they do this? They have the place absolutely destroyed and the wildlife habitat now has been ruined forever. Uh, The council are full of talk. They're all on about eco-talk and what we need to do for the environment. And then they allow this to go ahead all over the place. Kind regards, says Dan in Mallow, who has asked us to get on to the council and and find and ask them what is going on. So he's given us, to say, the photographic evidence. And it does look like an area that's been absolutely decimated from a habitat. I don't know what habitat was living there, but these trees have been completely felled and the area has been completely cleared. Now, maybe there's a reason and a thought pattern behind it. But I thought when I was looking at all the trees that have been chopped down in the photographs sent on by Dan, I was straight away thinking of what went on in Davos with all of the world leaders last week. And we had Donald Trump, who's not a big believer in climate change, actually coming out and he's one of the ones promoting the, is it a trillion trees that they want to plant? And we know we need to be planting more more trees. So if, we, you know, if we have the powers that be saying that we need to be planting more trees, then why in the name of God would we cut down existing trees? Now, maybe there's an explanation for it. If anybody, we'll get on to the council, but if anybody in the meantime knows what is the explanation for this, it's on the N20 
just from the Plaza Supermax to the County Hospital that strip there about 100 feet wide with the stream running through it and the trees have all been taken down does anybody know the reasoning behind that if so please let us know uh, 1850 333 103 charges for doctors 35 euro in Kinsale Medical to have your bloods done that's for non-medical card holders says this texter doesn't know what the charge is if for a medical card so 35 euro is that on top of a a 50 or 60 euro visit you know the way you pay for the visit to go to the to the doctor or is that just a charge to get your blood done it probably is you just go to the practice nurse so it's 35 euro but that's for non-medical card holders and Mary says Patricia I recently needed to get my veins done I had to go see the consultant 150 euro for the consult for the consultation and wait for it 50 euro charge to VHI for a scan that took five minutes says Mary and that's frustrating you're paying for your VHI you already have your private health insurance and then you've got to pay on top of that as well actually I know I don't know if we're getting to it tomorrow I know we're going to be looking at private health insurance because it's the VHI has come out they've got a second increase in a year they've put their prices up by so private health insurance is just getting so expensive almost on a daily basis let me lighten up the mood a little bit and talk to you about scones <laughs> firstly this is well, this is related to scones as well hi Catherine from uh, Mitchellstown listening to your programme uh, yesterday particularly the bit about scones well I'd like to inform your listeners on Saturday week the 8th of February my partner Colm and myself are hosting our annual coffee morning with all funds going to the Better Life Cycle Group who dedicate a huge part of their lives supporting and fundraising for the outstanding services at St Joseph's Foundation in Charleville. This coffee morning delivers the most tasty scrumptious warm melt in your mouth scones that you will ever taste and they're provided by our dear friend Geraldine Roach. They're accompanied by sherry jams from Mitchellstown and served with a coffee or a tea by the chirpy wonderful staff of the Hunter's Rest under the guidance of the one and only Tony. It's also by the way election day so we're asking everybody in the community and the extended community of Mitchellstown to call into us with your support on the 8th of February and they'll be serving the coffee and those mouth-watering scones from 8.30 in the morning until 12.30. Thanking you very much and that's from Catherine O'Keefe. Thank you for that Catherine. Will you send me a reminder of that next week? so that I can give it another mention coming up to election day because things might just get a little bit busy here and I might forget it but they do sounds like you're going to have a fun morning and hopefully there'll be a lot of people out voting and either going to the counts or the vote polling station or coming back from the polling station they might pop into the Hunter's Rest in Mitchellstown and have the coffee and the scones are the tea. Mary says Morning to you Patricia my best scone is Layla's in Butterfront the butter and the jam and the cream and a good smile. Nothing like a good homemade scone, says Mary. Thank you, Mary. The best scones, says another listener, are at Coleman's in Mill Street. They're made by Anna and she's a brilliant baker. Well done, Anna in Mill Street. And I know the guys at the office are, are said their mouths are salivating with all these talks of scones and there isn't a scone in the house. Jennifer says, T.P. Cotter's Pub in McCroom. Their scones are light and fluffy. That's the way I like them. I like a nice fluffy scone as well. Donna says Murphy's Gala on the Mallow Killarney Road. Bernadette says the Forge Restaurant Broad Street in Charleville the best. Breather says the Church Restaurant in Skibbereen they are 
they do the best scones. Sinead says Tony's Cafe in Ballyfaham, just across from the community centre, best by far. Nari says the nicest scones you will get and they're made fresh every morning is at the Arches Bar in Mallow. They are first class. Christine said the stuffed olive in Bantry, absolutely delicious stone scones and coffee. Even my 86-year-old dad loves them. Trisha says Dooley's Post Office in Rathcormac. Fabulous homemade scones. Sean, best by a mile are the scones made by Breed in the Abbey Hotel in Ballyvorney. Stephen says the Duke's Coffee Company in the City Gate in Maham and Four Carey's Lane. Best coffee and cappuccino and freshly made scones and croissants. First thing in the morning, still warm with a little bit of jam on it. Mouth watering. Anne Marie says the granary in in Middleton, best scones ever. Anne is suggesting the bakehouse in Bantry. While Lisa says the priory in Yall, they're also based in the city. Mag says it has to be Cook's Cafe in Kilworth. Fabulous scones and also beautiful coffee. And Anita says Layla's Kitchen in Butterfant, baked by Eileen herself. You can't find a better selection of goodies. And Anne says blueberries in Mitchellstown, beautiful scones with beautiful coffees. And Jacintha says the bakehouse on Bear Island, especially after the park run. And Christine says Buds in Ballydehob. OK, we got a good spread there. Didn't we cross city and county? And thank you to all of the people who took the time out to go on our Facebook page. We got a, picked up a lot of those ideas from our Facebook page as well. So thank you for that. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Mairead taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College. Now enrolling for full-time fifth and sixth year and repeat leaving cert programmes. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie Trainee or part qualified accountant is wanted for a full-time position. That's in Newmarket. While Kilbritton Construction Company looking for a person who is willing to learn the trade. So experience obviously not necessary. Industrial plumbers, they're wanted for Mallow. You need to have your own tools and your own transport. While a kitchen assistant is wanted for work uh, in Waterfall near Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, a newly formed group called the Early Years Alliance, which represents childminders and creche facilities from all over the country, will hold a national protest march next Wednesday in Dublin. It's to demand a sustainable solution to the worsening childcare crisis. Joining me to discuss their concerns, two local childcare child care providers. Uh, John Bowen is with Bell Child Care in Cork and Cleana Dunstan is with Cherry Blossoms in Canturk. Good morning to you both and you're welcome to the programme. Thanks Patricia for having us. Now John, if I can start with you, you would be classed as a larger provider. So can you just outline the service you provide and for example the numbers you employ? Yeah, we have, uh, we have two settings. We have a creche and a preschool in Cork City. Uh, we have 35 on staff and we offer a full day case service, which means that we're open from 7.30 in the evening until 6, uh, 6 in the, 7.30 in the morning, excuse me, until 6 in the evening. And we take in from six months old all the way up to school age. 
And how many children then would you have in total? We have capacity for 116 and that, I suppose, translates to about 220 children using the service each week. Okay, and then, Cleena, yours would be a smaller service in Canturk. Yeah, um, I actually have a preschool in Canturk. It's Cherry Blossoms and we have about 14, 15 children with three staff. But I also have two other rural preschool services as well. One in Liz Meyer in the National School and one in Kilburn in the National School. And how many sta- um, staff would you have? I have two staff in Liz Meyer with nine children and I have three staff in Kilburn with about 15, 16 children. OK, so John, the main is the main issue that the government simply isn't paying enough under the ECCE grant? Is, is, is that one of the big bugbears at the moment? It, 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 it is, but it, it's... This is this is quite complex, and simply upping the ECC capitation isn't going to do it. What what's really happened, Patricia, is that over the last number of years, the government have kind of stuck their heads in the sand, and have by asked us to run, asked us providers to run various government schemes. ECC being the the biggest and most famous of all of them, but what they haven't done is put taken responsibility for the sector and acknowledge their role in this. We are essentially the first rung of education in Ireland, taking uh, the children from six months to five years and providing a very, very good quality service. Now, what has really happened is as the ECC developed and the government started funding the sector, the checks and balances that go with that came in. So we're now delivering curriculums that are inspected by the Department of Education and Skills, we have Pobble and Tusla coming in to inspect us. So we're, we're essentially running schools on behalf of the government, but we're doing it without any of the capitation or any of the support that the primary and secondary schools are getting. And this has been suiting the government fine up until now. But what has happened is we've reached a, a, a tipping point where staffing is an absolute crisis. We can't find staff, and if we can't find them, we can't retain them because their rates of pay do not reflect the work that they do and the responsibilities they take on. Yeah, I would have interviewed a young girl who, you know, got all of the qualifications, loved her job, but she said, I get paid more to sit at a checkout in my local supermarket than I will working at a job that she really loved doing. Well, I mean, that's that's the problem. I mean, girls, and it is predominantly girls, but childcare workers are expected to love, nurture, educate, but they're also supposed to pick up signs of abuse and developmental issues. Your childcare worker could be the first person to put your arm around their parent's shoulder and go, perhaps you should take your child to see your GP. Uh, there, there may be developmental concerns here. And as you said very rightly, you would get the same pace sitting in, on a till in Duns with zero responsibility. And this is, the government have allowed this to happen, and yet they keep telling us that we need to professionalise and professionalise. And by professionalise, the DCYA means degree-level students and or degree-level graduates which sounds lovely in theory, but as you said, these degree-level graduates aren't getting enough the pay rates to keep them in the industry. So what's happening is we're facing this rotating system where we're getting green graduates off programs. They come into our services. We train them. Within 12 to 18 months, they're gone. They're either gone abroad or they've gone to do uh, primary teaching qualifications. So there's a massive brain drain out of it. The government are trying to eliminate the level five and level six uh, workers in the industry who are bringing massive experience to bear. I mean, if a mother is handing a child into a, 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 a creche or into a ch- childcare facility, they want to be handing them to somebody who looks like a safe pair of hands, somebody who may have had their own children or at least has a bit of experience. And with all due respect to graduates who are coming out of colleges, 
at 2021. They don't have that experience, but yet that's the government deciding what is right for the sector. There's been no consultation, Patricia. Uh, Kleena, would staff turnover be an issue in rural areas as well? I think it's it's a it's a countrywide issue. To be fair, it is it is definitely one of the biggest crises that has hit the earlier sector in the past number of years. And like John said, it's the biggest issue is trying to keep staff. Like if you can go and work in a job that's less taxing, less um, responsibility, then why would you? Give the time and the effort that you have to give outside of the hours. Like you mentioned the, the ECCE scheme or the HE scheme, as you called it. The facilities are paid for three hours a day. Okay. There is no way that a quality service could run their service by only working three hours a day. There's documentation. There is um, observations. There is getting ready for inspections. There is um, payroll. All of those things have to be done. That cannot be done within the three hours. There is no way... Um, as John said earlier, unfortunately, the problem is that there is not enough funding put into the sector. Um, uh, like I said, the the pay within the sector is literally, I would say, between 10 and 15 euros would be uh, the maximum that, that a staff member would be paid. Why, like, why would you get into the sector to be paid um, a measly amount of money. And, and as an owner of a creche cleaner, that's as much as you can afford. Is that what you're saying? Oh, 100%. There have been months that I will tell you that I have gone without paying myself. There, It's it's just, the sector is absolutely um, falling asunder. Like there is no other education sector in the country that would accept 10 to 11 euros an hour. There is nobody within the country that would accept that money for educating the youngest citizens of the country. Well, you're talking um, minimum wage there, not even a living wage. Uh, uh, it is, like, minimum wage is what you would be talking about in, in many services within the country. And it's not because providers want to pay that. It's because providers are not in a position to pay any more. Services that are providing the ECCE scheme, the only income those services can take, if, if it's an ECCE-only service, the only income that those services have is the capitation that the Department of CAT that um, started at 64.50 in 2010 and is now 69 euros. Um, that the Department has a cap on your income if you are an ECC only service. If you're a full daycare service, you get the ECC scheme. The parents pay the, the, the remainder of the fee. But unfortunately, yet again, um, services in 2010 were able to charge adequate fees to cover the running cost of their service. The, the insurance crisis in December came because services were at breaking point. They were so financially strapped that they were not in a position to pay an increase in insurance. And that that is what has highlighted how poorly paid the sector is. And that, and that, and that closed some of them. We'll talk about insurance in a minute. Can I just jump in for a second? I mean, the, the, the ECC scheme that the government brought into great fanfare about 10 or 12 years ago was seen as this, oh, this great inclusive um, scheme. And it has had amazing benefits because it's brought children into the net who would never have been in, in quality childcare. The problem with it was the government turned around and with the stroke of a pen increased demand for childcare by about 30 or 40,000 places, literally in the space of about 10 months. So services, and they, with no provision to provide these places, they then looked to the private sector, the likes of myself and Tina, to, to fill the void, which we did. We stepped up, we created services. Like, these 
professional dedicated ECC services are a direct, their existence is a direct result of government intervention into our, into our sector. They created ECC places. They then required the likes of us to, to, to build rooms and to provide this, which, which we all did. Then they turned around and, and, as Tina said, they valued that place at €64 Euros per week, which was crazy. And I, I, I see, uh, uh, to, make, to, to have a viable business, I need to charge €200, €220 Euros per week for, for a seat in my crash. The government turned around and decided it was worth 64 But you couldn't opt out of it because if you didn't opt in, you wouldn't get children coming to you. So the government have created this anomaly. They spiked demand and then they shoved their head in the sand and refused to fund it properly. And then a, a couple of years later, they broadened it again and doubled the scope by adding a second preschool year, a free preschool year. So, I mean, the government know exactly what they're at. I mean, it, it's popular. It's they're, they're trying to appease parents, and they're trying, in fairness to Minister Sabone, she was trying to do the right thing. She was trying to increase access. But access without funding to support that, the, the service of providing, is onto a hiding to nothing. And the sector is in crisis. I mean, on top of what Tina said about the impossibility of finding staff, settings are closing. So all these ECs, the parents are going to get, the country's got to get a rude awakening come September 2020, because there are children now registered for ECC places that will not be there come September 2020, because there's a number of and, services and, but, closing. But yet, John, and, and, and I know we're going to get calls on this mm. as soon as we started discussing this, mm. many parents will complain that their crash fees are so high. They, they are so high because that's the running cost. We're running schools. This is what I was saying to you. The government are Im- imposing these quality structures and regimes on us, but they're not providing any funding. So the funding is coming from the parents. I mean, if you had to pay for a primary school place, what you, would you be paying? Huge sums, pay, yeah. Exactly. If you had yeah. to pay for a season secondary school, what would it cost? Prime, uh, early years education care is the exact same and the reason parents are paying so much is because they are getting a quality service that the government are refusing to fund and it's as simple as that so if, if parents yeah. are, have an issue and do you know something if parents are concerned about their fees wait to see what happens in a couple of months time because our staff are unionising they're going looking for an SEO which is going to spike their, sal- their salaries we can't pay. The government are sticking their head in the sand and refusing to recognise us as a sector. So to keep our business open, we're going to have to go back to the parents. And if you're paying a thousand euros a month at the moment, you could expect to spike up to fourteen, fifteen hundred to to pay staff requirements. The system is broken, and the government are sticking their heads in the sand. Okay, talk to me about insurance costs, and this has become a big issue for so many sectors, including your own. Cleaner, do you want to take up insurance costs? Yep. Um, my service um, in Canturk, had I had to renew my insurance in December and the cost of it definitely tripled um, between um, between December 2019 or 18 and December 2019, the cost tripled. And the reason being that no insurer wants to come into the market. Had you claims? No, never. Absolutely never. No, not one claim. Um, but unfortunately, the problem is that the sector that we have and the, re- the inspection process that we have, um, if, you know, if an inspector comes in and finds a non-compliant, and a non-compliant now could be something like a cobweb outside the door, you know. Yeah, it yeah could ridiculous. Be, yeah. Like, it's absolutely, some of them are ludicrous. There is absolutely valid non-compliances, but they're not rated. We don't have a rating process in this country, you know, a non-compliant is a non-compliant. So that and would be treated the very same as a child having access to a boiling ab- kettle. Absolutely, <laughs> exactly. absolutely. Yeah, and unfortunately, the insurance market um, is not cut out to insure 
um, services with, without a, 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 a grade agreed yeah. in place. Yeah, that, that and just... So yours, you, so yours tripled uh, and, and you can't triple your cost no. to, to, to your parents. No. Uh, John, what, what about you with insurance? I mean, you're a bigger provider. Has your insurance gone to oh, the roof? Oh, yeah. I mean, our, I mean, yes, listen, I mean, this is what we're facing. I mean, my landlord tried to triple our rent as well in the last number of months. But yes, the insurance, I mean, the insurance, again, is symptomatic of the government not accepting what we are. Because there's a group in Ireland called Irish Public Bodies who insure the primary schools, the municipal playgrounds, the swimming pools. Why aren't we given access to that? I mean, because, I mean, the risk is the same. I mean, we, 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 we should be treated as the same as primary and secondary schools and given access to Irish public bodies insurance. But again, the government don't want to accept that we have an intrinsic role in this and that they have responsibility for the sector. And until they do, we will be at the mercy of the private sector when it comes to insurance. And we, we're, the government are happy to sit on their hands and allow a monopoly to come into the country where every childcare provider in the country has to go to the one provider to get to get insurance, and I'm not even going to mention them and give them free air. No, and, and parents air. won't. Do, parents don't want that. Par- parents certainly don't want that, and they want to have choice, and they want to have local providers who they know. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, it's a very simple. Pro- it's a it's a simple thing to resolve. The government need to put their hand up and go. We take responsibility for the early years sector because the early years sector is intrinsic to the success of this country. At the moment, the issues in in the election are housing, crime and home, uh, sorry, homelessness, housing, and the pension. A strong early year sector feeds into all of that. Because I mean, yes. if, you have, if you have children who will stay in learning longer, you reduce the crime rate. The longer children stay in, in learning, the stronger their earning power. I mean, we are educating the future taxpayers yeah, yeah, who will be paying point. our pensions. OK, what's the plan for this day next week for this nationwide national protest march? We are going to make ourselves heard and we are going to go to Dublin and we are, we are expecting to see Leo Varadkar, Micheál Martin, Mary Lou and all the rest of them front and centre to come out and meet us on that Wednesday. Will creches close? They are. Creches, the length and breadth of the yep. country are closing. And this is going to be indicative of something that's coming down the line. Parents are supporting us at the moment and we have fabulous parental support. Yep. Absolutely. We have, like, we have parents who have volunteered to come and make tea and scones in our services because initially they would have thought we were holding a picket line at the service. Yeah. We, ha- we have the full backing of the parents. Um, you mean- parents are being crucified by the country. It's not by the providers and it's not by the services. It is the fact that the country, the, the, the government are not taking responsibility for a sector that they need to take responsibility for. Yeah, we've you been know, let down. The, the people of Ireland, the parents of Ireland have been let down by successive governments. And what we can do, what parents can do, and what we've been telling parents to do is make this an election issue because they haven't been making it an issue. And if parents, every parent in the country and every grandparent in the country who is looking after children, if they got onto their local politicians and local candidates and we can make this an issue. So that, that is what we are trying to do. In well, you've, you, well you, you've picked a good week because it's going to be election week uh, next week. Had you that date selected before the election was called or did you do yes. it to coincide no, with the election? Date, the date had been picked um, in advance of the election. All right, the guy. Possibly the election date was picked because of um, the fact that three schools are closing on the Wednesday, crashes across the country are closing on the Wednesday, and the education, the secondary school education teachers are on the Tuesday. So 
they possibly didn't want to bear the brunt of the fact that parents were going to have to find childcare for two days during the week. Oh, yeah, so held it on yeah. a Saturday. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've been cynical, but you could be, you could be right. Yes, um, Eileen, Eileen and Clonakilty uh, says, would parents be allowed to fundraise, set up a parents association and help fundraise for the creches? Oh God, we do that with primary why, why, schools. Why should, why should they have yeah, to? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is more of it. I mean, you know, was it was it one of the hospitals in Dublin went on a fundraising drive, the Rotunda or something, recently to get a piece of equipment? They did. You yeah. know, what I mean, I mean, you see, this is it. It's it's like inaction on the government, and then we step up. I mean, I'm not even going to use the language I'm telling. Well, if we if here. we start that, where does it stop? Do you know what I mean? This, 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 yeah. this is it. I mean, the fact that primary schools have to turn around and ask for donations. I mean, the, I mean, the ECC is so flawed that, I mean, when, we, when providers went back to the government saying that we couldn't make ends meet, the government turned around, oh, you can ask parents for donations. You know, in, there, there is no willingness on behalf of the government to turn around and accept their role in all of this and fund it accordingly. I mean, it, it, it's very, very simple. I mean, the reason child parents in Ireland pay so much is because the Irish government refused to fund it properly. Um, and this is what happens across Europe. I mean, European countries have acknowledged the role that early childhood education and care plays in their countries and have funded it accordingly because they know the longitudinal benefits of it. Yeah, we can look to, there are, we can look to other countries, for example, of, of how childcare works. Yeah, Absolutely. 1%. It's one percent of GDP in most of the European countries, and in Ireland, it's two percent. Sorry, it's one percent, and it's zero point two percent in Ireland, yeah, which yeah. is absolutely not even half of what it is no, uh, across it's Europe. Not even a quarter. Of okay, so what's general. what's the plan, John? For is there a plan? In, I take it as a plan in place for next Wednesday. What? Absolutely, we're we're gathering in Dublin at eleven thirty. We're marching. I think it is from twelve. Starting in Parnell uh, Square and then marching to the marching to the dog. To the dog. Okay. So yeah. we're, we're asking uh, any providers, any parents, any anybody, any anybody who wants to come out and support. But you know, as I said earlier, I mean, this this is, is across the country and for all people because grandparents are involved in childcare in Ireland, um, aunts and uncles. You know, everybody's involved in childcare in Ireland. So I mean, we're asking for everybody to come out and support us and champion this and make this an election issue because if we don't get this on the, the agenda parents are going to have to put their hands in their pockets again and go deeper and deeper and deeper and that's not fair and it's not fair the conditions that our teachers are being asked to work under and it's not fair the conditions providers are being asked to work under. The system is broken and we are we are taken to the streets to highlight it and this is only the beginning. Okay, alright. Um, thank you for that John. Thank you Cleena. We will talk again um, but thank you both for joining us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, John Bowen of Bell Child Care in the City and Cleena Dunstan of Cherry Blossoms in Canturk in advance of that national protest march this day week. They are heading to Dublin, as, as I say, at the moment. They have a lot of support from the parents because they've given advanced warning that the creches will be closed next week. So parents have had to, will organise their own childcare cover for next Wednesday. But it's, it's fight and talk from John and Cleaner. But, you know, in fairness, listening to them, they're doing it on behalf of the parents because it, if you know any couple who have a mortgage at the moment and have maybe a child or two at the creche, 
you know, talk to them. In many cases, they're paying more on childcare than they're paying on their mortgage. And people are finding it really, really hard at the moment. So the childcare providers, in fairness to them, are, do them are, are doing a lot of this protesting and a lot of this trying to get a problem solved to what is a worsening crisis in childcare. And they're doing it on behalf of parents because if they don't, uh, I think we're going to have a much bigger problem going down the track because a lot of those smaller providers, and I think the large ones as well, listening to John, they've very similar problems from a large provider to a small provider but we're going to end up with a lot of those they'll be gone we won't have you won't have a crash you won't have a play school uh, in your area 1850-333-103 John Paul and Marade taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from 4 on C103 The best in music the up-to-date traffic and all the latest entertainment news Drive Time on C103 with Kellers of McCroom The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020 See kellersofmacroom.ie Don't forget the wonderful John Kenny uh, joins us in studio in the next hour and a lot of calls and comments to get through We'll do all of that after news at 12 Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. OK. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Scam warning and thank you to people who alert us to scams so we can pass them on in the hope that we can get the message out to other listeners and that they don't get caught. Now this is a new one on me and this was a letter. Uh, Aidan in Clonakilty got a letter from Australia telling Adrian that he'd won a car worth 55, I assume come from Australia, 55,000 dollars hadn't been to Australia hadn't entered a raffle and wasn't he a lucky man in Clonakilty that he won himself a car all the way in Australia so they asked Adrian to send 10 euro for postage now we're laughing saying postage of the car <laughs> you wouldn't get much to Australia for a tenner I'll tell you that anyway they also needed his bank account number now Adrian said he copped straight away that it was a scam but he just wants to warn people because it has been a long long time since we've seen scam letters coming through the post remember the ones they started out they were probably the first of the scams and they started out with a Spanish lottery in the main telling people they'd won the Spanish lottery people would be nowhere near Spain and they were trying to fool people into thinking that they'd won the lotto, but you need to sit on your bank details and all of this. And it was all, it was all a complete scam. Uh, and I mean, we had lots of people sending on copies of the letters that they received and some of them looked quite professional. Others you knew straight away it was a scam. But this is a new one because the kind of the letters were in the stopped and then we ended up with the text message scams and the email scams and the scams that come in over phones. So as I say it's a long while since I've heard of or seen a letter being sent to somebody that is very obviously a scam. So thank you Adrian for that who said he's handing it into Bandon Garda station tomorrow morning because he wants to alert the Garda to it. So thank you for that. Keep a look out if you get a letter from Australia telling you you've won a car you haven't. 
1850 Before I get to your texts coming into the programme, a couple of emails. There's an open farmers meeting that's going to be held in the Bantry Bay Hotel tomorrow night, Thursday at half past eight. Election candidates have been invited to explore their views on the future of beef and sheep farming in West Cork. And the meeting will be chaired by Dermot Kelleher of the ICSA. But one and all are invited to go along to that. And that's on tomorrow night in the Bantry Bay Hotel at half past eight. And the Clonakilty Bereavement Group have been on ask me if I'd give a mention to people who are in the Clonakilty area who are suffering loss and are grieving at the moment and would you like help with your bereavement? If so, the Clonakilty Bereavement Group is a safe and secure place in which to work through your grief. They're offering support over a five-week period. It commences on the 5th of March in Clonakilty and if you would like further information you can give them a call at 023 that's 023-8834-320 that's the Kilty Bereavement Group and we wish people luck luck with that particular course now some of your calls coming in on creches Maggie said creches and preschool workers have a huge responsibility I think when a child is signed up to a creche or to a preschool parents should ensure their own child they wouldn't be so quick to claim them. It's not fair on anybody. That's not a bad idea that everyone has their own individual insurance because I know Dan had a suggestion whereby that when your child goes to a crash or into a play area or whatever it is, you sign a disclaimer yourself saying if anything happens, you know, it'll be, you know, my own child's responsibility and my responsibility and I'm not going to sue, uh, etc. But maybe that would be a w- way around it that you could get individual insurance on your child because that's, well, it was once upon a time in schools I remember when my young lad, who's now not a young lad, he's a big lad with young lads of his own. When he went to school, we used to pay an insurance every year and it was for play out in the yard if they fell or whatever. And in case you want to sue the school and and we all had individual insurance policies. I don't know if that's still still around today. But would that be a way around the high insurance costs at preschools, I wonder? I'm sure all of these suggestions have been looked at at some stage and somebody's come up with some reason why it can't be done. Particularly when sometimes it just makes perfect sense and why they're not going down that route. But there's probably some reason that the insurance companies will tell us why they can't do it. Or if they did it, it would probably be so astronomically expensive their parents wouldn't be able to afford it. A caller didn't give a name on insurance costs says, we have very good judges in this country and they're better than Judge Judy when somebody suggested that Judge Judy's uh, is what we need in this country. Not every case gets money uh, except those that really deserve it. That's our law. Yeah, I don't know if I would agree 100% with you on that. I think sometimes people get money and you question why they took the case in the first place. I think that's the big bugbear of a lot of people. And that ties in nicely with Mary and Mallow, who said it's the courts that need to change or we need some kind of reform in the courts. We're handing out large sums of money, sometimes claims that don't even make it to the court. They're settled on the steps of the court where claims are made out. Even for something very small or minor big money is paid out. That's why the childcare sector are in trouble. Uh, also we've so many scammers in this country. Did you see the guy in Dublin who had his case withdrawn after he was caught loading his own wheelchair into the back of his car? I did and I was going to, glad you got your call in because I did down to give it a mention today but we just got a, big, a bit busy. This is all over the papers. You may have seen this on the news last night. It's a man 
man who claimed that he had suffered considerable disruption to his life. Now, he claimed that he had been hit by a car, but it had been a hit and run. And he was going to court because, oh my God, he was crippled. The pains in his back and he couldn't walk and he had to use crutches and he had to use a wheelchair. And lo and behold, there was film footage of him recorded and shown in court. One of the clips showed him removing the the, the plastic from his crutches. He was about to go into a medical appointment and he said, oh, I need the crutches. So there were new crutches so the plastic was being ripped off really quickly. There was also a video footage of him loading up his wheelchair into the back of his car. He claimed he was hit by a car that couldn't be traced. He was a guy by the name of Constantine Iska, Iska, the 40-year-old. He's based in uh, Dublin and he was suing the Motor Insurers Bureau of Ireland and of course they are the group that compensate victims of uninsured and untraced drivers. And they're important because if, God forbid, any of us got involved in an accident with an uninsured or untraced driver, that fund of money has to be there. And all of us, every, anyone who want, any one of us who drive a car or pays insurance in any way, this part of our premium goes into the MIBI. Uh, but we're not paying it so that scam artists like this can get a chunk of money out of it. Now, this case came before the, before the courts last Friday, but the case started with the video footing being shown or the video foot was shot by security firm on behalf of the MIBI and I'm assuming they sent out a PI uh, to follow this guy around uh, Dublin. It showed him walking his dog. It showed him strolling skipping dare I say in in one scene it looked like he's having a little bit of a skip uh, back in November of 2018. I don't know if I have the date of the actual accident. And then in another video taken in January of last year, he was being pushed in the wheelchair to the to an office in Dublin city centre. And then you saw him using the two crutches, mounting the steps. He was getting assistance from other people. By God, if they were handing out Oscars, he'd have won one. He looked, the man looked like he was in agony. He looked like he couldn't put one foot in front of the next. But then the footage then shows him a little while later, after he'd been in with his medical, having his medical appointment, it sees him picking up the wheelchair, folding it up, popping it back into, into the car and then hopping into the car and driving off. And then later on, he's seen with no wheelchair and no crutches and he's walking around walking around Dublin and there's absolutely nothing wrong with him at all. Yesterday, uh, Mr. Iska 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 told the court his or the counsel for Mr. Iska told the court his client would be withdrawing the case. God, I wonder why counsel for the MIBI said his side was now looking for costs against uh, Mr. Iska, and I absolutely think costs uh, should be made against this my this guy Justice Cross. Note of the case had been withdrawn and award a cost, so they did award costs to the MIBI against Mr. Iska. Now I want the MIBI to throw everything at Mr. Iska and go after him and get the get the costs because we we see this we hear about this happening, but we don't then hear at the end how much was awarded and did they actually get the money. But it's it's a, a absolutely clear case of fraud. This guy was claiming that he was cycling in Lusk in Dublin on the 1st of June in 2016. The car was never traced. He was brought by ambulance to Beaumont A&E. So there was an ambulance used 
to get him to, to all part of the scam. He was then in the A&E overnight for observation. So he took up a trolley in the A&E department. Then he was discharged the next day on crutches. And of course, he went straight with his crutches into the nearest solicitor's office and took on the case. The MIBI uh, denied his claim and said it would now be referring the details of the gar- of the case to the Gardaí. And that's what we need. We need to take cases like that to be highlighted Good to see. I don't know if you saw it on the news or not. Certainly all over the papers today. We need a lot of publicity put onto this case because it might act as a deterrent to somebody else who might say, oh God, did you see what happened to your man who was pretending that he needed the wheelchair and the crutches? And then if we can get this guy, case referred to the Gardaí, Gardaí prosecute for fraud, get it back in the papers again, highlight it again. Let's see what happens when he faces a, faces down a judge the next time. I mean, he just walked away from the court. His counsel just said, oh no, sir, sorry, Your Honour, they were withdrawing the case. We've changed our mind. More should be done. He shouldn't just be allowed to walk away, even with the costs against him. It's fraud and it, all of us are paying for it. That's why we have an insurance crisis in this country, because a man like that can 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 go to the courts and take up not just the court's time, but take up hospital time, take up ambulance time and can walk away. And it would be very interesting if we if somebody was to dig deep into this guy and find out, has there been other claims? Does he have other claims pending? Has he had claims in the past? Has any of his family members had claims in the past? It just infuriates the life out of me because each and every one of us are getting screwed when we go to pay car insurance or health insurance. Everything is going up. Everything is rising. As one listener, there was a text in from Mary saying, Patricia, I read somewhere that claims have gone down and yet premiums are still high. Yeah, well, some claims have gone down but premiums are still high because you've got scam artists like this who if it had gone all the way and if the MIBI hadn't sent an investigator to follow this guy around he'd be acting that man would have done in court he'd have sat in his wheelchair his wife would have pushed him in he'd have been humming and hanging and oh my God, Your Honour, and if he tried to stand up, he probably wouldn't be able to stand up with the crutches. He'd have got a weakness in the middle of it. God knows how much he would have gotten away with because he was trying to make out that it was life-changing, considerable disruption to his life because of this mysterious car that never existed, could never be traced, knocking him down. It has to end. It has to end somewhere. Well done to the MIBI. I want to see more of those cases, please. And I want to see them all over the papers and on all of the... TV channels on all of the news bulletins so that the other scam artists can see there's a high probability you will get caught. That's my rat over for today. 1850 John in White's Cross was on about homeless homelessness. He thinks that the homelessness and the problem of homelessness in this country is an, is an industry. What he can't understand, the amount of vacant properties that are around the country, he says it's an unmitigated disaster. He says there's no one fella catching the whole thing by the scruff of the neck and once and for all sorting the problem of homelessness. He said it is a pure joke in this country. And I'm assuming what Jack is talking about, and I don't have the actual facts and figures in front of me, I can, I can, I can check it afterwards. There's a rolling figure on the amount of money that this government is spending trying to solve the homeless crisis. In particular, how much we are spending on offering emergency accommodation to families. What are we on? About 10,000 people, of which 4,000 of them are children living in emergency accommodation. Emergency accommodation being your local hotel, your local uh, B&B. We do have some family hubs nowhere for families to live can I say it's not the answer but it literally is getting them in off the streets and putting a roof over their head but the amount of money I mean if you stay in a hotel you'll know hotels are not cheap they don't come cheap and those hotel rooms have to be paid for 
so it is an industry in that regard that a lot of money has been spent. So, but John, who is the guy? Who is the fella? who will catch the whole thing by the scruff of the neck and sort it out. We've, you know, we've had countless ministers for housing before the current one and we probably will have countless more. When are we going to get to the bottom of it? I mean, listening to all of the political parties, listening to the debate the other night because housing uh, came up on it, they all seem to have solutions. But do we need to sort of get rid of the party politics and get them all around the table? with the solutions. You see, I think go to the likes of Father Peter McVerry. I think, you know, they're the ones. Go, you know, go to the charities that are at the cold face of homelessness and ask them how they think it can be solved. I think sometimes we use the wrong experts in the field when we try to solve these issues. Same with health. I mean, don't get me started on health and the amount of money we put in into health and nobody seems to be able to get that right no matter what Minister of Health we put in. And we've put Minister of Health in who have been doctors before they became politicians and they don't seem to be able to sort it out uh, years ago. 1850 Let me go to the bloods while we're on to health. A few years ago, Kathleen said, oh, Kathleen used to bring her own blood samples to the Mercy Hospital and hand them in. But then she said health and safety issues came in. And she was told, no, you couldn't do that anymore because somebody else had suggested that. You know, if I'm passing the hospital, can I not just drop them into the labs myself? So our Kathleen said she did once upon a time. Anyway, now she said health and safety and all of that. I don't know what the health and safety issue is, but anyway... They'll come up with some rule, won't they? And that means now she has to pay €10. But she says, having listened to the programme the last couple of days, she's willingly paying her €10 to her GP practice compared to what some of the other doctors are charging. So she's happy enough with the €10. John in North Cork says people on warfarin get instant results when they go to the doctor with for their blood tests and they can be paying 10 euro every time even with their medical card but some people's bloods can be all over the place there has to be at a certain level so they could get tested a few times a week John says if you are on a medical card and you know medical cards are means tested which means you don't have a lot of money if you've got to pay 10 euro every time he said that really can mount up and that really can be a lot of money for people who are on a fixed uh, income 1850 Three on doctors' charges. Hi, my doctor charges ten euro extra for bloods on top of this is a private patient on top of the fifty euro visit. If you ring looking for an appointment and the doctors are too busy, which we're hearing a lot of, we, we don't have enough GPs, but they end up coming and they'll do like a consultation with you over the phone. They'll have a chat with you over the phone about your symptoms, and they can in many cases give you a prescription. You know, if it's like you know maybe something that's ongoing that you just need. You had a prescription last week for a an antibiotic. It hasn't cleared and the doctor over the phone is able to say to you yeah, yeah we'll get you another prescription for that um, based on and that would obviously be based on a recent visit if the symptoms have persisted they also charge says this texture for that that's deemed a consultation you get charged 20 euro and if you go in just for a repeat prescription it is 10 euro so doctors practices are charging well I think Dr Nick explained it's not that they want to charge they're trying to keep a business going they're trying to keep their front door open it's just the amount of cuts that they've received from the government over the years as they're putting themselves into the situation that they have to charge they really don't have any other choice and can I just do one final call that came in from Noreen in Cantork and this is a special message to everybody who works or is associated with the wonderful Cantork Hospital in Cantork Noreen rang to say that her husband died in Cantork and we pass on our deepest sympathies uh, to you Noreen sorry to hear that but she rang us because her husband has been a patient 
at Cantor Hospital for the last six months. She said the kindness of the staff was unbelievable. She said the staff treated me with absolute kindness. The staff sat with me when they were off duty. They were absolutely brilliant. I just want to express how grateful I am. I was included in everything, Noreen said. It was like going into a home from home. I can never thank them enough. Well, well done. Well, well done for you in your grief, taking time to to ring that in. And I'm sure that would be really, really appreciated by all of the staff. And we never, you know, we were talking about Bantry Hospital this week and how the, the love and the high esteem that that's held in by the West Cork community and Cantor Hospital is another one of those little hospitals that anyone who goes there, has been there, or family members there, all just speak so highly and it's the staff. They all talk about the staff. 1850-333-103. Thank you for your call, Noreen, by the way. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Irish Blood Transfusion, they've got a blood donor clinic at the course in Mallow uh, today 3 to 5 this afternoon and again 7 to 9 tonight and a HSE dietitian led course for people with type 2 diabetes will run in Newmarket now it's over four Wednesdays and it starts in a month's time it starts on the 26th of February and runs through until the 18th of March and in Mallow over four Fridays 28th of February to the 20th of March it's a free course it's open to anyone whether you're newly diagnosed or you're managing diabetes for years but you need to register by Friday the 14th of February by contacting Anne-Marie at 086 787 Table quiz in aid of the Hope Foundation will be held tomorrow night Thursday Mona's Bar in Mallow starts at 9 tables of 4 40 euro and proceeds going to the Hope Foundation they work with street and slum uh, children in Calcutta great raffle also on the night and Our Lady of Mercy National School they've got an open day for enrolment of new pupils that's tomorrow Thursday between 1 and 2 in the school hall and Ahakira Drama Group are staging their play The Real McCoy that's on Friday night 8 o'clock in Ahakira Community Centre Court Today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow Smokeless Coal Turf Gas and Kiln Dried Wood Open late 7 days Lowcostfuel.io Selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with Shopify Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. 
or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Now, it's always a pleasure to have my next guest in studio. So welcome to John Kenny, ahead of his three-night run at the Everyman Theatre with Katie Holly's one-man play, Crowman. Good afternoon to you, John. Oh, good. Always oh, great. Move into that microphone there now. Sorry, a bit. I know you're eating. Have you all the sweets gone? I'm just finishing yeah. them off now. They're he grand. Has. The Haribo. You get Haribo when you... I, should, I can mention the name, can I? You can, yeah. We have a box of Haribo in the radio station when yeah. you went to the building for the children that come to visit. Yeah. Well, you, I you, always help myself. I do. You, I know. you spotted the box and you were in like I, a I was in the factory and I went to see the Haribo did factory. You? I did, yeah. Why? How did you end up doing that? I suppose it was just, there was a, you know when you were on holidays and you wonder what will I do next? The kids were small. Yeah. And there was a Haribo factory near us in France. Okay. So off we went. And there was a kind of a museum as well. It was an experience like. And they do a tour. They do, like they a, do a tour. Oh, great. And I was eating raw licorice. And uh, sugar cane and anything that sweets are made out of that. It was actually quite interesting. But you know? we have Tato Park here, don't we? I mean, no, you're talking. Yeah, so I mean, so you, that's you, it. Yeah, you can make an experience out of out of anything. You now, can indeed. Now I mentioned Katie Holly, who's who wrote uh, Crowman, and I have to say it was because of you that we discovered Katie Holly because I didn't realise she was a young or she is a young writer from yeah. um, Charleville. Just remind us how you and Katie first connected. Um, I suppose through Kevin O'Shea, really, and uh, and uh, the Shoestring Theatre in Charleville. Uh, Katie had uh, done plays with Kevin, like I'd seen Katie in a lot of productions. And uh, I suppose that was uh, when I saw Katie first, like I'd seen her a lot of things down through the years. And uh, and then we got a chance to, we performed together in the field when I did the field with Kevin that time. Katie was That was in the it. one where you went outside. That's when we went yeah. outside. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, that the lovely production of the of the play. And uh, and then myself and Katie, we, um, we, we, I think we wrote a few songs. We did a song, a couple of songs, then on an album for Monster Rugby for that young man and poor man and for my that passed away in oh, yeah, sense in England. Yeah, you know there yeah. was a fundraiser for him and some of the rugby people thought of being like just do a CD or rugby of rugby songs. So Katie and myself wrote a song for it. And um, but she writes music as well. But she, oh God, she's very she is yeah. and she's a brilliant musician. Okay. So, no, so, so that's and, then, and, and when we spoke before the, the is it about a year ago that you started? That we yeah, we kind of took the thing out and tour. We had done it the previous year, but we didn't tour it because there was no. I had no time to tour it, and it was kind of shelved for a while. And I suppose just last year gone then was really when I started to do the show. I did a small bit of a tour in the spring, and then I I really got into it last autumn. We'll say I've had a kind of a constant run of Crowman now since and. You know, and it is for those who haven't seen it. It is it is a one man show. It is, yeah, yeah. Written by Katie, with you in mind, though. Well, she kind of said to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did. She, she, I, I mean, she did. She had me in mind because she was. Yeah. I'd seen her previous two pieces that she'd written, and uh, she said, "Well, I, and I said I'd love to. I said it'd be great." So she ha- had me in the head, all right. So, so it was good, really. Like I suppose she had some kind of idea, like at the. Stuff that I could get up to or couldn't couldn't but do, then you know. When it got to the stage of putting it on the stage, did yeah, you, were you able, you sat down together then? Did you too? Well, we did. We, I mean, we had to. I mean, I suppose when Katie was putting the piece together, being a writer and Katie works as well. There was funding from uh, Cork County Council uh, to put it together for the Summerfest in Cork, but times are very limited. Even with the budget they'd given Katie, like it's, I mean, 
we did it outside of the budget. You know, yeah. The amount of time that was put into it wouldn't have paid us at all, like, you know. And even with that, like, Katie couldn't take time off work. So our time together was quite limited, really, you know. But we did manage to put it together and get yeah. it on and did it at the summer festival. But I suppose, really, we got, I, I suppose, going back to it again then after the break, you kind of look at it again. And so, but yeah, it's kind of grown. It's developed, you know. I mean, the last time Katie saw it now was in the Olympia in Dublin. And I said to her, um, let me know what you think now, you know. <laughs> it may have changed slightly. <laughs> because it had, it had. Yeah, yeah. And, and it had sort of changed and twisted, like the script is still there. We had some bits of it edited, some bits, you know, I mean, but it just, the, the whole feel of it, not the whole feel of it, but it had changed, you know. But Katie said, no, grand, plow away, do what you're doing, you know. And that's only because I'd been doing it. You know, when you do something on a more, you know, you, you know, sometimes you get a chance to do a piece and you run for a couple of months and that's it. The play is gone. But with something like Roman, like it's, you know, I could do it now and do a tour in the spring and then I could leave it till the summer, come back to it in the autumn. And that's what happened last year. I started in the spring and then I did the fit ups in the summer um, in West Cork and a few more summer festivals with it. Then I took a break from it. Then I went back to it in the autumn. And but I you, think you, you look at it in different eyes. You know? Every time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. last week I was in the, I did the fit ups, the Blackwater fit ups. Yeah. I was on for a week with Jeff Gould and I hadn't done it since uh, the end of November. And when I got on stage on the Monday night, I was thinking, wow, how's this going to go? But because I hadn't done it so long, it was completely fresh to me. And I suddenly realized my phrasing was different. My timing yeah, was yeah. different, but better yeah. in a better way. Yeah. So that I'd so sort of gone back growing, into it with a pair of fresh eyes. And it's growing and evolving all of the time. Of course, for, I think it for is. For those yeah. who haven't um, heard yeah. of it, and, and it is one of those places that it's, it, it, it's hard to describe, isn't it? I mean, how do you describe Cromer to somebody who's never, it's nev never come to it? Never yeah, it is, it is a bit of everything. Like, there's even a little bit of a love story in it, really, although. I mean, it's probably more um, the purely, um, what's the word? Uh, uh, oh, God. Pl um, platonic. God, platonic is the word yeah. I'm looking for. And you mightn't even call it that because, but it's just that someone, someone uh, Dan is the character. And, and I suppose this is the crux of the story. This is what, it, what, what sparks off an awful lot of things in his head. He hears this person that he'd gone to school with had passed away. And it wasn't that he'd gone to school with her. It's just that. I suppose he, he, she became someone who was kind to him because he was quiet and he was shy. Um, anxiety, I'd say, a, a, a man with anxiety. and um, Which would be so, recognised today, but wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and social skills wouldn't have been, although it's highly intelligent and could very well communicate and communicate beautifully, even in the play, like he's got a beautiful vocabulary and a great use of the English language. But... Is not one to hold court, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so this th that's what happens within the play, and he you will find out about Sheila, and you suddenly realize, God, this this girl was very kind to him, and that's why you he's so sad about her passing, but yet his memories of her are very are very are very good, but I suppose the whole twist in the play we're talking to him is that the relationship that you that the audience thinks that Sheila has with her husband is one thing, but we suddenly realize that when we get towards the end of the play that like. It's actually Sheila's husband um, rescues Dan in some ways and yeah. shines a light on something for him that's been that's been just really a, a terrible burden in his life all his life, and and Dan saves him in a sense. And so, it's and I mean Dan Lonergan is is oh, the John, is, yeah, is yeah. the main character. Yeah. Is do you like him? Is oh, I he, do. Yeah. Yeah. 
I do like him because I see a lot of, um, there's an awful lot of humanity in him. And uh, I can understand him. I, I think I understand him because, uh, yeah, I, I feel I, I know him. He's close to nature. He's a soft character. He's warm. He's imaginative. He's creative. Um, th- there's a huge amount of humanity in him. And he se- he finds the world can be very cruel, which it can be. Yeah. And some people can survive that. But Dan, unfortunately... You know, that's why he's pulled back a little bit into himself because really, you know, there's a lot of stuff goes on out there that he really, you know. And because it, of his oddness. Yeah, if his, you want And to, as you say, he, his, his anxiety. Yeah, his anxiety. He's yeah. not, because it's funny, I, um, I yeah. uh, a couple of years ago, I was chatting with a psychiatrist and we were talking about the number of young people who suffer with anxiety. Yes. And I said, I don't remember when I was going to school that many young people. I don't remember anybody in my class suffering from anxiety. Mm. Like, Where is it all coming from? They're expecting him to blame the internet and all of that. No, and he no. said, think back, he said, there was odd people. There they was. were just, they were shy. Shy, yeah. And he said, they were suffering from anxiety, but we just didn't have a word for yes, it. We didn't have yeah. social anxiety. We didn't have a word for it. No. And no. he said, they were left, and in many cases left, and if they lived yeah. in a rural area, they were left completely on uh, their own. And that's really where Dan is. He's in this oh, yeah. very and even, rural. Even there's a lot of things. Does he I, live outside of Mallow, do you think? Um, well, he could live anywhere because uh, he actually, the physicality that I use for Dan at times when he gets, when, you know, th- things just uh, get a little bit too much for him, are based on physical movements, which I remember a guy that I went to school with and like I'm 62 now, so I'm going back to the 60s. Mm. And I never forget the way that young boy used to walk and the way he used to hold himself at times. Shyness, but ang- it was anxiety. Yeah. It God, was anxiety, God. pure anxiety. And I I was always, and I, I've used him. In your in mind. Some of his movements yeah. that, he, yeah. that he used as a, as a kid. Yeah. I reflect him back into, brought him back into Dan's life because I, I could empathise so much with that young guy in school. You know, sometimes I'd look at him and I used to get very sad and I'd nearly cry because I felt very unhappy for him. Yeah. Because I just felt sad, sorry for him, you know. And yet, like, he's created himself, he's manifested himself into Dan. And And he's, you know, so. And you've never found out what's what's happened to him since or where he is now? No. No. And you play like it's ten different characters. It is a more even, yeah, Isn't it is, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's lovely, though. That's great. And then, and male and female, obviously. Yes, yes, yeah. Do you change voices? Yes, do voices you? and kind of just even stances and just little looks and uh, the things I do for the mother because the mother has suffers a little bit as well from her nerves, as we would have said in the yeah, old days. Yeah. And Katie had written lines lines about her staring out the window, so. I always play her one side of the stage and she holds her hands a certain way and she kind of wring her hands. She'll wring her hand over her knuckles and when she's de- delivering the lines and little, just little pauses and just little frets and, and telling him not and looking back out and not half finishing the lines even. You don't have to de- deliver the lines. Yeah. People realise that she's worried about him but you know what she says like she says don't be saying those things and you don't need to be showing off you know your difference you know be careful now don't be saying those things to people yeah. she doesn't actually have to say those lines all she's do is stand at the window or I stand at the window and she's trying to protect and him. she's just going will you mind yourself like good then mind yourself like you mind mind yourself she doesn't have to say much more you know I know I know and of course that, is, that has had an effect on him as well yeah because he says and I used to get worried then that she might have to go away again 
Oh, and yeah. it, so the Dan is a kind of a you know it's sad. You can almost understand where his anxiety has come Absolutely, from. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we know that that you know if you've got very confident parents, you'll have very confident children. Yeah. But if you've got very socially shy and yeah. it passes down to yeah, children. it's it's it's. There's it's, a lot it's, to learn in this play. There's a lot to learn from. I'm. Well, it's full audience. of you. It's full of humanity. Yeah. I mean, when I say it's full of humanity, and it's not that we have to learn from it. It's just that it's. Everyone says, my God, I could see, I know every character that was on that stage. And they just say, that was amazing because it was just so normal, but just so poignant. Mm. And I think that's the beauty of it. It's, it's, it there's nothing in the storyline that's, that's about changing the world or, you know, saving this planet Earth or anything. It's a very simple story. Yeah. But it's the humanity of it, I think, is what really attracts people to, you know, to stand up at the end of the night. And because that's, that's never not happened. You which guys, is I, every single night since that. we've done the play. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That's phenomenal. It is. Yeah, I know from being on stage, and and it's like nearly the same thing every night. It's like you press an eject button. People just get up. They just want to stand up and clap. It touches them. Yeah. You know, that's it. That's that, so that's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's it's Dan has touched everyone. As you yeah. say, everybody knows a Dan and everyone yeah. knows a bit. Um, and there's um, a lot of humor in it because Dan is funny and he's a character and he's got a sense of humor and he's he loves music and he sings to himself around the house and he wants to dance and he, he life is full of dance for him and he can't under, he tells a story about one time when he went to a supper social which he didn't want to go to a and supper Kate, social yeah and I went to the dinner dance and I yeah. timed it well I, I I arrived in just after the meal you know because he didn't want to be sitting at a table small little things like that that are the most human things yeah. and I made my way to the bar and I ordered a pint and I was look and I was leaning in the counter having an old look around and everyone and everyone sees that first man on the floor. Of course, who's the first man on the floor? He's definitely not the shyest man in the Paris. Harry O'Toole, twinkle toes himself. And he describes Harry with being like cock of the walk. And probably, you know, and he, Dan is kind of because like one of the chickens long ago, full of purpose, you know, because yeah. he tells. So there's, there's all these lovely things that paints. Kind of paint little paint sketches, a for and as you say, it'll paint a picture <clears throat> for the audience. I, I was there. Yes. I was at that supper dance. Yeah, well, and, and, yes, and, yeah, and, and uh, I remember. It. Yeah, uh, have you particular sections from the play that you really love? Well, I think that the ballroom scene, the dance scene, is beautiful because the the, the whole conversation between the whole relationship. It, do you have you have Dan on one side, and then you have Sheila, and she's sitting down at the other side of the stage. Now they're not there, and then her husband is standing with a group of men over there. And it's like me saying, like, I just, what's Sheila sitting on her own? Then Dan is, then her husband John is standing with a group of men nearby. She was looking at him. He didn't respond. He'd laugh loudly with his friends. She'd look up. So there's kind of a triangle of things going on, a conversation with no words. And yet everyone can imagine it. Everyone says to me, I was at that. I was there. I was there. Yeah. I could hear the music even. And there's no music. Yeah. Because he goes and he dances and, uh, and there's dances going on and there's a band playing and, and yet there's nothing. And so we thought about putting in a soundtrack. We said, no, just leave it alone because it doesn't need anything because the audience imagination yeah, will do the job if it's if we just point it out and we situate all the characters and then we know, then he walks over and then I play the two characters. I play Sheila and I play him. And when he asks her, will he sit down? And she goes, yeah, Dan. And he sits down and then he comes down and then 
she talks to him. So I'm doing, you know, it's all that kind of carry on, carry on, acting. Uh, yeah, but it's it's wonderful. <laughs> it's it, it it really is well, the, yeah, uh, uh, wonderful. Um, somebody said I saw John in Croman in Bartlemy last Thursday. Yeah, that's right. Last I Thursday? was. Yeah, yeah. A great play. John was brilliant. Well, well worth a visit to the uh, Everyman. Yeah, thank, um, thank you for that. I just there's no name in that text. Um, and I've just spotted somebody said, can you please let everybody know that the dog warden's in Boherbui? So we're, just, we're just giving that out the dog wardens in, in, in Boerbury people going are you still getting full houses I mean there's so much on with entertainment and you know Netflix and you know, the well um, I was just saying to John Paul outside that we did the the Blackwater fit ups last week and, and you did the West Cork ones and I did you? the West Cork over the summer yeah. with Jeff uh, Gold and they've just it's amazing like I mean the, the, the houses that we got in Bartlemy and uh, all the venues we played in for my um, brilliant, you know. I mean, for my was pretty much full on a Monday night. On a Monday night. On a Monday night. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is incredible. Yeah. So the lads have built up a great following for the fit ups, and and that runs the fit ups. Of course, follow go on now for the next five weeks. There's a new play every week. You know, um, Pat Kilavan is coming down. Seamus O'Rourke is there. Uh, Maura Lafferty's there this week. There's a load of different, you know what I mean? There's different there's places. There's nothing like a live so, show. And it just shows there's a hunk, there's, you know, you saw people say there's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. You give it to people, people, people want to go and see things. Yeah. One of the problems is, you know, does it all have to be in Limerick or Cork, you know? Or Dublin. And it yeah. doesn't. No, no. And no, I think that proves it with the fit ups. It's out you know? in the county as well. Absolutely. Okay. You're and doing great support. Um, you're doing three nights, Tuesday yeah. to Thursday. That's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, yeah. Fifth, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And you are, there's there's a post show talk on the Tuesday. On the Tuesday night, yeah. And you are, you've persuaded Katie to join you for that. I didn't, I actually, I asked her, I told her I was doing it. I said, would you come along? And she said, yeah. And I said, great. I don't have to answer all the questions myself. So people, if, just to factor So Katie that will be along as well. And we'll, that, I think that's either going to happen in the auditorium or in, inside in the bar in the Everyman afterwards. Okay. It's quite casual and relaxed, you know. And people can just chat about just the play. Just chat about the play and say, you know, as Is long it, as they don't bring any It's stuff a pleasure as always. What's next <laughs> after this? Well, at the weekend, I'm going off working with Mary McAvoy now. I'm seven, Mary are still on the go. Well, we've had you in a few times. I know, Joanne. we're still is, at are, it. Are you still, are you, what, what are you doing? You're still doing matchmaking? You know, no, matchmaker's still doing it. Now, the gate, we're, I don't know, the gate, he wants us to bring back the TD for later on Oh, in yeah, the year. that's good. Yeah, that's so, uh, so we'll... For the year that's in it within an election? Maybe, uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, so we'll see, we'll resurrect that anyway. And I have a few more scripts in the pipeline, but... You're busy, is what you're saying. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy touring, and but I would like to get... Uh, another new piece together for this year, you know, because I think, you know, it, it's just nice. While I still have the energy to throw a few more things, keep going like, and that buzz is there, you know. Well, keep going, keep going. Yeah, you're yeah. enjoying it and that's the main thing and you're, looking, you're pretty, looking well on it. Oh, Patricia, well, a, you can give away some tickets for Tuesday I? night okay, if you wish. no problem. John I'll Paul, we'll give away I'll, maybe I'll, I'll talk to John Paul a blast of tickets and there for a couple of sets of tickets. Yeah. Okay, listen, pleasure as always. We look forward to seeing you again there. Thank you so much. Thanks, Patricia. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Low Fuel.ie. Okay, and once again, our thanks to John Kelly for joining us live in a studio. He's kindly given us five pairs of tickets to give away to Tuesday night's performance 
of the Crowman at the Everyman. So the first five callers to get through now uh, who'd like to head off to the Everyman next, now it's next Tuesday night, that's the 4th of February. Give us a call now, 1850-333-103 and we will take the first five uh, callers. Now before we let me go, just a quick look at some calls that have come in been asked to say a happy birthday to Helen Horgan and a happy anniversary as well. Uh, lots of love from Johnny and from uh, Oshin. Mike says, hi Patricia, is there a gardening programme on today? No, and I did announce this earlier uh, today. Peter Dowdle, because this has been coming up for the last couple of weeks, Peter Dowdle will be back with us next week. We'll have our first gardening slot of 2020 and then he'll be with us every Wednesday thereafter so hold off if you have obviously a lot of people have questions for Peter hold off we will get to those next uh, Wednesday talking to garden centres Sheila says Patricia Dripsy Garden Centre they do the best scones ever while somebody else said great place for scones is Joe Creedon's Hotel that is in Inchigila so the list of places coming in for scones and people still giving in their suggestions and thank you to everybody who took time out. We had a lot of people got working on this on our Facebook page, certainly uh, yesterday. And uh, we've a lot more people calling us in today. And I think we've done our best to try to give a good spread of the, because I don't think there was a part of Cork City or County where somebody didn't contact us to say such and such a place for the scones. And it seems to be good value as well. There's a lot of people saying it's good value, but you need to go find the good value. The Oriel House in Balancholic, Vivian says, great scones and they've got great, great value. While John in Mill Street was on, listening to us talking about all the lovely restaurants and coffee shops and garden centres, and hotels that are serving scones. He is looking for suggestions for any nice restaurant that has gluten-free options when it comes to scones. You can get gluten-free options. Bit harder probably to get them on scones. So if anybody knows, he's in Mill Street, so I suppose the general North Cork area, if you know a good option for gluten-free scones, can you let us know, please? That's where I leave you, though, for today. My thanks to Mairead and to John Paul for producing Back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. On to then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Nick Richards is next. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Ernie here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here, and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103.